Hello and welcome to Mixnerd News. This is where you come to listen to breaking news when it comes to the nerd world. That means we have breaking video game news, movie news, and TV news. If you want to hear about the latest games, the latest movies, and everything else, stick around. Because here's your host Nick from a tiny studio in San Diego. guys it is august 2nd that's right we're in august now i august it is august we are not far away from the release of starfield how about that but hey it's me your host nick this is nick's nerd news no surprise there am i right right i don't know anyway how you guys doing you guys having fun see any movies lately um i have not yet personally seen any new ones in a while but that's okay uh we're not really going to talk about new stuff you know given the whole fact that the writer's strike and actor's strike is still ongoing speaking of which one of our big stories today the wga and the uh, producers guild have agreed to meet on friday for the first time since may which uh is a good sign doesn't mean it's over but it's a good sign Uh, they can at least go back to the bargaining table which is always good Also, another big story, Nintendo. Rumors are flying that the next Nintendo console may release as early as next fall, which is pretty wild, which would put uh, the Switch on having a seven-year lifespan. Of course, Nintendo doesn't work at the same time frame as some of the other console makers, so it makes sense. Uh, And then, of course, stick around at the end of the show. We're actually going to talk about my favorite movies from the 1960s, so... The last two weeks, been talking about old movies. Two weeks ago, we did pre-1950s. Last week, we did the 1950s. This week leaves us with the 1960s, of course. Uh, also, just some other stuff we're going to talk about, as usual. Nothing nothing crazy, realistically. It's the middle of summer, right? But before we get too deep in the reads, let's not forget to check out nixnerdnews.com, where you guys can listen to the show right in your browser, Or you can listen to us on the go. You'll find links to all of our different podcasting pages. We're on Spotify. We're on Amazon Music. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Odyssey, I think, is is what that's called. We're, We're like pretty much anywhere you can think of. We're there, and you can listen to the podcast. It's real fun. Subscribe, like, share, poke, prod, downvote, upvote, star, no star, whatever you whatever you want to do, right? Thumb up, thumb down. You guys do what you want to do. I'm going to support it because I'm humble like that. But also, follow us on social media. Nixter News. We're on all the big ones. We're on, I refuse to call it X, so we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on, on Facebook. We're on threads even. How about that? 
Also, check out my personal TikTok. That's where I post a lot of stuff for the podcast. That's under the Nick DeFalco. I also have social media if you guys want to follow me there as well. On all the big ones, threads too. So, let's not waste any more time. Get right to the news. Alrighty then, let's uh, let's get right into video game news, shall we? How about this? PlayStation 5 has reached 40 million units sold. Uh, so, it is behind uh, where sales were at at this point in time in the PS4's life cycle, but it still is at 40 million uh, units. So, PS4 had hit 40 million two months earlier in the cycle. Obviously, it has to do with supply chain issues and things like that. So... It is uh, a, about a, a million consoles behind in terms of sell-through. So remember, just because it's, it's sold 40 million doesn't mean it's sold through. Uh, sold through means that that's when it's actually sold to the consumer, not necessarily sold to the retailer. Uh, it's still a high number, though. Um, it's been very good in 2023. Uh, shipments and things like that. Uh, it looks like it's beating Xbox series x and s about two to one again um which is uh a lot so it happened again i'm not sure what's going on there but we'll figure that out apparently only 21 million units of uh, the series x and s have been sold again probably due to supply chain issues and a lot of holdover still from all the confusion regarding the xbox one early in its life cycle um it's a lot of sales, though. Uh, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2 has been announced, which just barely after the release of the first game. The first game came out, what, two years ago? Uh, it is set for release later this year, Nintendo Switch, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Series X and S, and PC via Steam. Um, it is bigger, better, and more characters, more stages and more modes. It will have a campaign, full cross-play, across all platforms, voice acting for every character, mini games, graphics, and better more. Uh, looks like they've added Jimmy Neutron. They've added Squidward Tentacles, which the, the way they introduce Squidward is it has him in that scene from SpongeBob where he's looking out the window at Patrick and SpongeBob running across the yard, which is one of the best memes. Uh, ooh, Squidward also has his, like, Krakatoa superhero outfit. So... The campaign will see you aiming to stop Danny Phantom bad guy Vlad Plasmus, who's trying to conquer the Nickelodeon universe. Um, there are super mo mo moves and things like that being added as well. Uh, so be on the lookout for Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2 coming later this year. Larian, uh, hot on the heels of finishing up Baldur's Gate 3 before release, has announced that... They do plan to make another Divinity Original Sin game, but uh, not before taking a long break after development on, on Baldur's Gate 3. A well-deserved break, if you will. We also learned about some new operators coming to Call of Duty, and another famous musician will be joining Snoop Dogg as an operator. This time it will be Nicki Minaj, the famous rapper from Jamaica, Queens. Uh, I'm a big Personally, I'm a big fan of Nicki Minaj. I wouldn't use her in a video game, though. I don't... That's cool. Don't get me wrong. But COD is starting to really get out of hand with some of these guest operators they've been adding lately. 
Um, I don't know how I feel about all that. Speaking of COD, uh, in a what is potentially supposed to be a big Season 5 announcement event, it looks like we may get a tease for Modern Warfare 3. Uh, this has been rumored by several insiders. What I'm concerned about, though, is it's not an Infinity Ward year. Obviously, Infinity Ward made Modern Warfare 2 last year. And it'd be interesting to see who would be working on Modern Warfare 3, because that's at least, should be at least two years away. Unless, oh wait, we're not getting a Call of Duty this year, if I remember correctly. So maybe, maybe it'll be announced for next year. Who knows? Uh, in an interview, Sakurai, who is the man behind Super Smash Brothers, and, and I quote, this is a very important quote because it should be held as, as high as possible for all to hear. Quote, can't imagine a Smash Bros. title without me. Unquote. All right, you hear that, Nintendo? Do not make a Super Smash Bros. without Sakurai. And I think the community would agree. All right, let's, let's, just, let's just think about that for a second, okay? Uh, in a big announcement, Square Enix has announced that Final Fantasy XIV will be coming to Xbox. Uh, it was, uh, we will be getting 4K support, an open beta. It will be next year, unfortunately. This was during Final Fantasy Fan Fest, uh, this year. So, it's coming to Xbox Series X and S sometime next year. It will get, uh, with faster loading, 4K support, uh, and an open beta scheduled with patch 6.5 should be coming out sometime in the spring. Um... Announced a new expansion and things like that that will be coming as well. On top of that, though, so Final Fantasy XIV, of course, being the, the big multiplayer uh, MMORPG Final Fantasy title. It's been off Xbox since it released over a decade ago now at this point. Uh, but on top of this, Square Enix announced that uh, via the CEO, who is, let me see... It's, he said, quote, Kir, Kir, uh, Takashi Kiryu said, quote, And one more thing. As CEO of Square Enix, we want to continue to deliver fabulous games to fans across the world. And of course, we want to welcome the Xbox community as well. And starting with today's announcement of Final Fantasy XIV coming in the spring of 2024, and whenever possible, we are planning to bring our games to Xbox for players around the world to enjoy. We're really looking forward to working closely with Phil and the Xbox team to make this possible. Unquote. Uh, Phil Spencer happened to be there. He followed it with, quote, Thank you, Kiryu-san. We deeply respect the rich legacy of Square Enix, and we look forward to building on the relationship that we've established in bringing Final Fantasy XIV to the Xbox and partnering closely with you and the Square Enix team on our future games, unquote. So, look, everyone knows that Sony pretty much has Square in its pocket. Uh, they got exclusivity for Final Fantasy XVI, they got exclusivity for Final Fantasy VII Remake and Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which is part two of the remake. And uh, rumors are swirling that that Kingdom Hearts 4 will also be exclusive to PlayStation. So what, what does this mean? Xbox is going to get the, the non-Final Fantasy Square Enix games. Oh, and let's not forget Forsaken, was it called? Whatever that game was that came out earlier this year... That was from Square. That was a PlayStation exclusive. So it's like, okay, but does that mean 
when they say this, does that mean they're going to stop taking PlayStation's money for exclusivity or, or what? Like, I'm, I'm trying to understand the logic here or what, what he means. I want to take it at face value. I do. You know, Xbox and, and Square have had a, a relationship in the past. They, they had it with the Tomb Raider games, the, the more recent ones, and some other games. And they, they finally brought, you know, Kingdom Hearts to the Xbox, both the 2.5 and 1.5 HD remix, Kingdom Hearts 3, all those. So there is a relationship there. It just needs to be fostered more, not allow Sony to just buy their way into keeping it off the Xbox platform. Um, you could say vice versa for other things, but Square Enix is a third-party publisher, right? So unless Sony buys Square Enix outright, which rumors are swirling they might do that as well, we'll see, ultimately, what happens. Anyway, uh, it has been announced that Path of Exile 2 will now be a full-on standalone sequel to the first game. Uh, It will not... It was originally announced as just like a DLC, uh, but now it will be a full fledged game um at the top of the show we talked about how the rumors are swirling nintendo might be releasing a new console soon um per multiple multiple insiders it looks like nintendo is planning to release its next gen console sometime next fall um again in a recent direct showcase people uh nintendo essentially gave them an expectation of what's coming for the rest of the year. Not a whole lot. Um, Obviously, Detective Pikachu 2 is going to be the the biggest, um, or Detective Pikachu Returns is going to be one of their biggest releases for the fall. But from all these insiders, it's looking like a new console will come out at some point in next year. And the other rumors, though, is it will not have an OLED screen, which is interesting. They want to keep prices down. Um, it'll be interesting to see, though, if, if Metroid 4 got pushed to this new console or something like that. Uh, it looks like the Switch will will end its life cycle in 2024, giving it a seven-year lifespan. The Switch really originally came out in 2017. But the biggest question is backwards compatibility. If it will be handheld like the Switch or if it will be hybrid like the Switch. And what is going to happen... Uh, in general, but I'm sure more details will come into focus as we get closer and closer to next year. Um, and w- when I say as early as next fall, it could launch in spring of 2025. Remember, the Switch launched in like March, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Dead by Daylight is getting another tie-in theme. Uh, this time it's going to be Alien content. So yes, Alien, the famous Alien franchise, We'll be getting content in Dead by Daylight. That's one franchise that actually makes sense for Dead by Daylight. So be on the lookout for that. They just recently added Nick Cage, and now they're adding the Xenomorphs. Makes total sense. So, uh, in order to meet certain European Union requirements, Microsoft has started to sell parts for their controllers online. Uh, so you have to, like, it's like a repair yourself initiative that a lot of companies are starting to fall in line for. So if you have a broken wa- Xbox wireless controller or Elite Series 2 uh, and you want to fix it yourself, you can you can buy those parts. Uh, this is via The Verge. So 
They sell thumbsticks, buttons, top case covers. Uh, previously, you, you kind of had to send it in or buy a new one, right? Um, or to like a third-party group. But uh, a lot of parts, prices vary, but it uh, sells a lot more robust options than, than Sony does currently. But um, yeah, that's available now. So if you guys want to buy parts to fix your controller or just have extras lying around, that, that's, uh, that's now available. The Rayman DLC for Mario and Rabbids is coming out later this month. So if you guys want to be able to play as Rayman once again for the first time in, in quite a while, that's uh, going to be your ability now. Uh, Call of Duty has announced they have banned 14,000 cheaters across Modern Warfare 2 and Warzone in a single day. So thanks to a new exploit che checking techniques, which they've been adding more and more as uh, they first announced the initiative last year. So uh, via their Twitter, it says, quote, in the last 24 hours, new detections directly targeting cheat developers at the source has led to over 14,000 account bans for cheating and hacking in Modern Warfare 2 and Warzone. So if you guys want to get back into Warzone and we're tired of some of the cheaters, about 14,000 of them are missing. Uh, Respawn has announced that they are currently working on last-gen versions of Star Wars Jedi Survivor, so for both PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, they don't have an official release date or anything like that because they're still prioritizing support and stuff like that for the current-gen versions. Um, but they're hoping to release that sometime in the near future. And the final bit of gaming news today, Discord announced that it will allow you to soon be able to stream Xbox games directly into Discord. Uh, so it was exclusive for PC and mobile users, uh, which is weird because doesn't Sony own part of Discord? Why isn't PlayStation on it yet? Anyway, via a, a press release, the company said that, uh, quote... Xbox games, uh, you'll be able to f stream Xbox X or Series X or S or Xbox One games directly through Discord. Uh, just like PC or mobile, you can stream gameplay of your games to with your friends in a private DM, group DM, or an entire Discord server. Uh, those with a subscription, subscription to Discord Nitro can stream their games on Discord up to 1080p and increased frame rates. Uh, it has been widely requested. It hasn't been fully announced or when it will start xbox says they'll share more later and uh certain people in the xbox um oh why can't i think of that the name of that it's it's uh inside xbox insider ring will have that feature as soon as today uh or at least to to beta test it uh that is it for gaming news though let's head on up to hollywood and see what's going on up there <laughs> All right, folks, let's uh, let's see what do we got going on in Hollywood? Well, quite a bit, actually. So uh, Paramount has announced that uh, they are open to doing a Dungeons and Dragons sequel, albeit one with a smaller budget than than this first one that just came out. Uh, that doesn't mean low budget, just means not huge millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe uh, just less than that, and obviously still make a premium product. That they hope will be good. I'm excited for that. I'd, I'd be happy to get a sequel. Uh, in an effort to promote the Ninja Turtles movie that comes out on Friday. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in Mutant Mayhem. 
the marketing department for that has brought back that meme kid. Do you guys remember that video that kid like with zombie face paint? He's like, I like turtles. Well, I don't know what they did, but they found him and they brought him out to do a commercial and the commercial has him say, I still like turtles, which have we gotten to the point where meme culture is just everywhere now? I mean, I get it. I, I do, but it, it's weird having them still around like like you can revisit them with the same people it i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to say to be honest <laughs> uh barbie has broken some records for warner brothers in terms of best uh back-to-back -back performances on a weekday actually beating the dark knight out for that strangely enough and um also barbenheimer in general has has broken some records so Barbie, I think, has crossed the billion-dollar mark. Um, th th this is an unprecedented release in general. So they only fell 43 and 44% respectively on their second weekend, which is really high. Uh, Barbie is getting close to hitting the billion-dollar mark, and that that's nuts. So Barbie pulled in $162 million on its opening weekend. It had the biggest debut weekend of 2023, and beating the Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, also the biggest domestic opening ever for a non-superhero film, sequel, or remake, as well as the biggest domestic opening weekend for a movie directed by a woman. Uh, the last time that happened was Captain Marvel with $153 million. Biggest opening weekend for a movie based on a toy, beating Transformers Dark of the Moon, which had $116 million. Highest grossing opening day of 2023 was $70 million. Uh, it also, like I said, it earned $26.1 million and $26 million in the U.S. and Canada on its first Monday and Tuesday, beating The Dark Knight and Aquaman for Warner Brothers. Uh, it, it broke a Warner Brothers pre-sale record at $49.5 million before it came out. Uh, Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling's biggest opening weekend ever, which Margot Robbie had Suicide Squad originally in 2016 at $133 million, Ryan Gosling's biggest was Blade Runner 2049 at $32 million. It is the biggest opening for Greta Gerwig. Uh, her biggest was Little Women at 16.8 previously. And it's current it's it's just over $775 million. And it's the third highest grossing movie of the year, only behind Super Mario Brothers and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And that was after its second weekend. Oppenheimer uh, did $82 million in its opening weekend, the biggest R-rated opening of 2023, beating only John Wick Chapter 4. And via Universal, it is the first R-rated movie to gross at least $10 million for 10 days in a row, so every day. It uh, grossed $35 million in IMAX globally in its first weekend, the biggest IMAX opening for a Nolan film, Universal title, movie released in July, and the biggest IMAX opening of 2023. Second weekend became the second fastest movie to reach 80 million in IMAX after Avengers Endgame. With the 82 million on opening day and 93 million international, it had the biggest international opening for a biopic, surpassing Bohemian Rhapsody, which was uh, at 124 million. It's already passed 400 million dollars globally. It is the sixth highest grossing Nolan film in its second weekend. It will probably beat Dunkirk. And uh, will, has already beat the lifetime gross of Tenet and Batman Begins. And is Nolan's best opening weekend for a non-Batman movie. When you take the two into consideration together, 
at 300, $311 million opening weekend. It is the biggest box office weekend of 2023. It also marked the first time ever two movies both opened to more than $80 million in one weekend. And their openings marked the fourth biggest domestic weekend of all time, only behind the opening weekends of Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, and Star Wars The Force Awakens. That is quite a bit of, of, of records, all for Barbenheimer, Barbie, Oppenheimer, and the like. We're going to stick around a little bit here with, with Oppenheimer, some Oppenheimer stuff. So, I'm a little... Th this is a little interesting to me. So, Japan got all butthurt, if you will. A little understandable uh, about Oppenheimer and about Barbie promoting it. So, look... If you don't know what Oppenheimer's about, it's about the man who created the atomic bomb of which two were dropped on Japan, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, uh, actually in July of 1941. Um, no, 1942, excuse me. So, look, it's the only time an, uh, an atomic weapon, atomic bomb has been used in wartime on civilians, on people, on war assets. We've had bigger bombs, things like that, but they haven't been used in wartime. They haven't been used on people, only in tests around the world, different countries. So Japan has been the only country that has been, it has been used as a weapon, an actual weapon. Um, obviously, Japan is a little contentious about it. If you don't know, though, Japan has a also a contentious history with its own past uh, in terms of how it treated China and Korea and things like that. In World War II and, and before. So it, it's a little rich coming from them to criticize when they won't even acknowledge their uh, quote-unquote human rights violations. Uh, it, you can't necessarily look at stuff back then with a, a, a today's lens because it's, it's not going to work right ever. Um, I'm sure many of you know, if you don't, my background is history. I do have a history degree. So I, I can speak to this to a, a degree, right? I'm not, I'm not an actual historian. I don't have a doctorate. I don't have, I'm not a professor. So I'm, I'm going to speak to you in, in things that I know and what is mostly considered common knowledge. But in, in terms of tweets that were made by the Barbin, the official Barbie account for Japan, uh, they got upset. It said, quote, We consider it extremely regrettable that the official account of the American headquarters for the movie Barbie reacted to the social media postings of Barbenheimer fans. We take this situation very seriously. We are asking the U.S. headquarters to take appropriate action. We apologize to those who were offended by this series of inconsiderate reactions. Warner Brothers Japan, unquote. Look, and a lot of people got all uppity and upset about the dropping of the bomb and how bad it was. It's like, I'm not going to go too deep into this. But realistically, that war would have dragged on for a very long time. We can argue about the use of the bomb till the cows come home. All right, was it justified? Was it not justified? There's a whole lot of answers for that. A lot of them, and I'm not, I'm not kidding. Um, and, and you have to go into geopolitics at the time. We're not, that's not what this podcast is about. But for them to criticize when they can't even accept their own atrocities of the past, it's a little rich coming from them and then of course warner brothers u.s says they regret it um for their insensitive tweet it says quote warner brothers regrets its recent insensitive social media engagement the studio offers a sincere apology 
unquote. You know what, Warner Brothers? Go fuck yourselves, okay? That's ridiculous. Don't, don't. And now apparently Japanese Twitter users are like making 9-11 jokes, but people are like, yeah, 9-11 jokes are kind of common here in the U.S., so it doesn't work the same way. Um, our government acknowledges certain things, but we don't just straight up ignore like actual straight up atrocities that were committed by our militaries because we haven't done anything on the same level at least nothing that has been uncovered or talked about uh nothing on the same level as what the armies of japan did uh the empire of japan did in like i said china and korea i will allow you to go look that up yourselves we're not going to talk about it we spent enough time not talking about nerd stuff already uh well it's nerd stuff, but a different type of nerd. That's not what like I said. That's not what this podcast is about. So we're not going to keep talking about that. But I just, like I said, I think it's a little rich for Japan to criticize, uh, given their history and track record. So uh, we're going back to Paramount now. Paramount, the head of Paramount, has announced that when it comes to animation projects from them. They are going to stick to established IPs. It looks like they're not going to go with new stuff anymore, per se. So when I say established IPs, that means everything within the realm of Paramount. And that means Nickelodeon properties, uh, existing Paramount properties, like the Star Trek animated series that they have, things like that. So don't expect anything necessarily new from them unless it's regarding an existing, an established IP. News has broken uh, that Donald Glover and his brother will be the lead writers on the upcoming Lando television show for Disney Plus based about, upon Lando Calrissian. And if you're wondering, how could he have signed a deal with the writer's strike ongoing? Well, it looks like this deal was hammered out months ago and it's only coming out now. And uh, that is going to be a great writing team for that. I loved, as long as he's back to play a young Lando, Donald Glover, I will be very happy. He was great as young Lando Calrissian. And not about a day or two after that news broke, Billy D. Williams, the real Lando Calrissian himself, tweeted out um, saying, quote, I'm thrilled to share that something truly magnificent is coming soon. This is a dream come true for me on all that has sustained and carried me through a lifetime of dreams and adventure. It is my honor to share with you. And then may the force be with you. Um, which I don't know if you guys want to read in, in, into anything. Um, oh, he said, make sure to enable notifications for stories and posts to stay in the loop. You don't want to miss this. May the force be with you all. I don't know about y'all, but that's pretty much like a, a, an announcement that he's going to be back to play old Lando in the Lando show. And if that's not, that's a big fucking tease. Which, I mean, I don't blame him for that either. Let's, let's be realistic. So, <laughs> it's, uh, if they're both in it, whew, that's going to be good. Anyway, given the ongoing sag after strike and WGA strike, we have learned from Sony that they've delayed pretty much their entire movie slate. Uh, unfortunately, with that, Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse has been indefinitely delayed. So that means it's not coming out next March. Uh, so, as of right now, we've learned a lot of new dates. Uh, Bad Boys 4, or whatever it will ultimately be called, 
has been pushed to June 14th of 2024. Untitled Venom sequel, or Venom 3, whatever you want to call it, July 12th, 2024. Uh, Gran Turismo has been uh, pushed about a week, of all things, from... Oh, wait. Uh, two weeks, from August 11th to August 25th. Madam Web moves up two days from February 16th to the 14th. The Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel has moved from December 20th of this year to March 29th of next year, Easter weekend. Uh, like I said, Sp Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse has moved to some date in the future. Craven the Hunter. This is the biggest surprise. It has moved from October of this year to August of next year, which tells me this movie was not ready to come out this October if they got a year delay on it. Apparently they're making a Karate Kid movie again, and that actually got moved, uh, that got moved back from June of next year to December of next year. So, yeah, another Karate Kid. Uh, and then They Listen, which is a new Bloomhouse horror, uh, has been pushed indefinitely as well. So, so far those are the biggest delays to come out of the strike, the strikes, I should say, uh, as Sony has essentially moved their entire slate. Um, in sad news, I have to report, the world lost a great man this week. Paul Rubens, uh, otherwise known as Pee Wee Herman, passed away at the age of 70 this week after battling cancer. Uh, a cancer he did not share with the world, and, and I completely understand. Uh, I grew up watching Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I grew up watching some of Pee Wee's Playhouse. Uh, of course, he made several other movies, most recently returning as Pee-wee in Pee-wee's Big Vacation, or I think that's what it was on, on Netflix, uh, in 2016 with Joe Manganiello. Um, but yes, the like I said, the world lost a great funny man uh, this week. And um, to honor him, the Cabazon dinosaur, dinosaurs. Uh, so if you don't know, Cabazon is a town on the 10 freeway. Uh, if you're driving out to Palm Springs, they're known for their outlets and the Cabazon dinosaurs. Uh, the Cabazon dinosaurs were famously featured in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, the T-Rex and the, the long neck, uh, one, the one where Pee-wee goes to watch the sunrise with Simone. Uh, they have painted the T-Rex to look like Pee-wee Herman in honor of Paul Rubens. Uh, they painted a gray suit with a red bow tie on him with an I heart Pee-wee. It will be there uh, through October 30th if you want to go out and see it. If you live in the state of California and it's it's not hard to get to Cabazon. Uh, it's about an hour and a half, two hour drive for me without traffic. Um, but that's uh, that's out there if you guys want to see it in, in honor of um, in honor of, of Paul Rubens, who, uh, like I said, we sadly lost this week. To some more lighthearted news, uh, the Loki Season 2 trailer dropped, hinting at what shenanigans Loki and Sylvie will be getting up to in the TVA with Morbius. Mor Mo Mobius, not Morbius. Mobius in Season 2 of Loki is it when it drops in October. Uh, Netflix announced that Disenchantment, the show from Matt Gronig, will end with Part 5 when that premieres later this month. 
Uh, Zack Snyder has announced that he still plans on making a director's cut version of Sucker Punch at some point in the future. No official word on when that will happen, though. Uh, Gal Gadot said that she is working on or will be working on Wonder Woman 3 with James Gunn and Peter Safran, um, presumably when both strikes are over. Uh, no official word from DC or James Gunn, though, so we don't know how real it is, or maybe she's trying to manifest it. I, who knows? I'm, I'm cool with either. NASA has announced NASA Plus, a new science-focused streaming platform launching later this summer, and it's free! Uh, it will feature content uh, filmed by every NASA mission. Essentially, it will focus on science and technology, and uh, will be very educational. Thank God it's free. Your damn taxes paid for it. Um... <laughs> anyway, uh, Stephen Amell, famous for playing Oliver Queen on Arrow, in the Arrowverse on the CW, said some very not Oliver Queen type things. Um, he was being talked, uh, he was being interviewed and asked about the strike. I mean, he is an actor, he has a TV show um, currently airing called Heels on, I think it's on Stars or Showtime or w one of those channels. Uh, it's about professional wrestling. And he made a comment about striking. And um, at GalaxyCon in North Carolina, he said, quote, I support my union. I do, and I stand with them. I do not support striking. I don't. I think that it's a reductive negotiating tactic, and I find the entire thing incredibly frustrating, unquote. So that, that comes off as anti-strike, right? Uh, to a degree. And, and uh, he followed, I think that the thinking as it pertains to shows like the one I'm on that premiered last night, I think that it's myopic, unquote. Um, oh, it's on Stars. So season two premiered on the 28th, and he can't really talk about it um, because of the strike. Otherwise, it, it would be considered scabbing. Um, and so... It, there's a lot going on. Um, a, 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 even a writer that was wrote for The Flash, the originals, Roswell, um, and things like that. It's he. Uh, I guess he doesn't want to talk about certain things. Um, I, I don't know. He also said, quote, on Twitter, he said, quote, It's perfectly fine to disagree with the strike. 2% of SAG and WGA voted against it. You're allowed to be in that category. But when it doesn't go your way, to literally say fuck that and do what you want on camera, on stage, undermines everyone's efforts, unquote. Um, that person followed it up with some things. Um, anyway, Stephen Amell followed it up with, um, ooh, some of his fellow actors from, uh, <laughs> some fellow actors from Arrow called him out. Which makes sense, you know, uh, including Matt Lester, who played Reverse Flash, and um, some other things. But anyway, Stephen Amell later clarified, again, um, saying, quote, Understandably, there's been a lot of reaction to the comments I made this weekend about our strike. To ensure there's no misunderstanding about my thoughts and intentions, I'm providing what I actually said and clarity context to ensure my feelings aren't unintentionally misinterpreted. We all know sound bites can be taken out of context, and I have too much respect for my fellow union members to not clarify the record. 
Um, he support. He said, "Quote: I support my union, um, unconditional." And he said, "Quote: What that means in full context. I understand fundamentally why we're here. My off-the-cuff use of the word support is clearly contradicted, contradictory to my true feelings and my emphatic statement that I stand with my union. Of course, I don't like striking. Nobody does. But we have to do what we have to do." Um, he said. A reductive negotiating tactic. In full context, I'm an actor and I was speaking extemporaneously for over an hour. I emote. But I certainly don't think these issues are simple. Our leadership has an incredibly complicated job and I'm grateful for all that they do. Despite some of my terrible early acting work, I assure you I'm not a robot. From an intellectual perspective, I understand why we are striking. But that doesn't mean it isn't emotionally frustrating on many levels for all involved. Um... An inarticulate shout-out to our crew and cast who mean the world to me. Simply sad they doesn't have the chance to celebrate the release of Heels Season 2. As I said from the jump, I want to ensure that my thoughts and intentions are not misconstrued. This situation reminds me of the proverb, The road to hell is paved with good intentions, which apparently after reading a limited amount of the commentary is a place many of you would like me to visit. However, at least for the foreseeable future, I choose to stand with my union when you see me on a picket line, please don't whip any hard fruit, unquote. Um, I'm glad that he clarified and clearly, you know, talking at a convention, you're going to say certain things that maybe aren't always the best or the brightest or things like that, especially if you've been talking about an hour and surrounded by hundreds of people and, you know, conventions can be daunting and confusing and a lot of stuff, so I, I get it. Um, you still got to be careful what you say. Perception is reality. You know, optics are important. People are going to record you saying some weird shit sometimes, right? It's going to happen. He won't be the first actor. He won't be the last actor for this to happen to. Just they, Of all people, they need to be aware. But uh, moving on, and the final bit of, of TV movie news is, and it's a big one, the Writers Guild of America and the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers have agreed to a meeting this Friday. They have not met since the strike started in May. So, uh, via Variety, the chief negotiator of the WGA, Alan Stutzman, has agreed to meet with AMPTP's President Carol Lombardini Friday in response to a direct request from the AMPTP. Uh, they want to discuss the next steps uh, to reach out for negotiations, contract negotiations, and resuming those talks. It has been almost three months now. So, um, this is not an end to the strike in any way, shape, or form, but uh, this has to do with re fixing what's going on with the writers. Uh, it looks like they don't have any intention of meeting with the actors yet, though. So, this strike could go on for a while. Um, but signs for at least the writers may be looking up potentially not again nothing is set in stone nothing's been agreed upon uh, but there is that potential for negotiations to resume after this friday um, that is it for movie and tv news uh stick around because we're going to talk about my favorite movies from the 1960s uh, as we continue on through the decades now that uh, we don't have new things to currently talk about Thank you.
All right, thanks for sticking around. Uh, let's talk about my favorite movies from the 1960s. So last week we did my favorite movies from the 50s. Pretty much called it like the the Hitchcock decade, right? Like ha a, ha a good chunk of my favorite movies from then were Hitchcock movies. Well, let's call the 60s a, uh, a James Bond week decade because obviously James Bond started in the 60s and uh, my top two movies are James Bond movies. I bet you can't guess which are which, though. Anyway, we're going to start from the bottom and count up. And uh, I've seen a lot of movies from the 60s, more than the 50s. Obviously, it will get more and more as we get closer and closer to today. I talk, talked about that and things like that. So this is a big decade. Um, it, it, it's my top 10 for the list. Uh, if you want to see everything I saw in the 60s, I do have a letterbox. You guys can follow me there as well. Uh, but at number 10, and this is a movie I've seen more times than I can remember, uh, Pollyanna, released 19th of May, 1960. It is a Disney film. Uh, it does star, um, uh, it stars Haley Mills as Pollyanna, of course. Carl Malden plays uh, the Reverend. Uh, Jane Wyman is Aunt Polly. Uh, this is one of Haley Mills' first Disney movies. Um, she would, on, of course, go on to play the parent in The Parent Trap. But I really like Pollyanna. Um, like I said, I've, I've seen it more times than than anyone should. <laughs> um, it is it's a fun movie. It's actually her second movie overall. Um, it it's it's about a girl and a boy who befriend like an old curmudgeon old man out in the um, you know out in out in like the 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 wilderness uh, not the wilderness but he lives on the edge of town uh it takes place in like the 1910s um it it's a fun uh fun movie that uh and she she befriend, befriends some other curmudgeons and things like that and learns about prisms and crystals it, it's a fun movie if you've never seen it um it like i said it, it's on disney plus or it should be uh it is a disney film um it's it's really fun I, if you haven't seen it, I I grew up watching it. Um, my mom likes it a lot as well, and it's part of the reason. But uh, yeah, that's um, that's out there for you to watch. Uh, at number ten, our first musical, folks. Well, our first musical in a while. Hello, Dolly. Um, it's actually one of my favorite musicals. I'm not gonna lie. It it is one of my favorite musicals. Hello, Dolly. Well, hello, Dolly. It's so nice. A any anyway, uh, it's directed by Gene Kelly, released on December 16th, 1969, starring uh, Barbara Streisand as Dolly as well. Uh, if you've ever watched um, WALL-E, so because of WALL-E, I found Hello, Dolly. I mean, I'd always known the song. I didn't know the movie. But the live-action, like, movie that Wally watches in the movie Wally is are actually scenes from uh Hello Dolly. You know put your Sunday best in that that movie. Uh another musical, number 8, Mary Poppins, released August 27th, 1964, starring Julie Andrews. I don't think I have to describe Mary Poppins to any of you. 
Uh, I have that at number eight on my top ten for the 60s. Number seven, another Haley Mills and Disney film. Uh, Disney had a big live action push in the 60s as well. The Parent Trap, the original version of The Parent Trap, released June 21st, 1961, a year after Haley Mills starred in Pollyanna. Um, let's get together, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Parent Trap, released June 21st, 1961. Number seven, uh, one of two major sci-fi movies released on the same day, April 3rd, 1968, Planet of the Apes, uh, released the same day as 2001 A Space Odyssey. One movie I like, one movie I don't like. I do not care for 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, but Planet of the Apes, one of my favorite sci-fi movies starring Charlton Heston. Take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. Yes, the famous line set in an alternate future where humanity has doomed itself to destruction and apes rule the world. Planet of the Apes, it would go on to spawn several sequels, including a reboot. Several reboots, uh, including the failed Tim Burton one with Mark Wahlberg. And then, of course, the rise of the Planet of the Apes franchise uh, with Andy Serkis as Caesar. Number five, another musical, The Sound of Music, also starring Julie Andrews, released March 2nd, 1965. Another movie I really don't think I need to describe to all of you and why it would find its place on my top favorite movies from the 1960s. At number four... To Kill a Mockingbird, a great movie. Uh, of course, everyone has read the book, uh, if you went to school anywhere. Um, <laughs> uh, of course, starring Gregory Peck, one of my favorite actors as well. Released Christmas Day, December 25th, 1962. At number three, our, one of our first comedies on the list, The Odd Couple, released May 2nd, 1968, starring Walter Matthau and... Famously, Jack Lemmon, they would go on to star in several films together. Of course, there was The Odd Couple 2 released in the 90s. Um, and it is one of my favorite comedies, released, like I said, 1968. Um, it's about two men, uh, grown men in, I think, their 30s, uh, who end up moving in with each other. Um, Walter Matthau plays Oscar Madison, a, a loner. Um, not a loner, but like a single man, a uh, bachelor. Jack Lemmon, uh, you know, breaking up with his, with his wife, moves in with his friend. One is like a straight-laced, neat freak. The other, like I said, a bachelor, carefree. It is a fun and funny movie. Funny movie. If you guys have not seen it, or if you've seen the sequel or the show that came out um, in the a couple of years ago that starred um, Matthew Perry... Uh, it, essentially, it's based on that. It, it is a great movie. It's a great comedy. You should definitely check it out if you guys haven't seen it. There was a show back in the 70s as well. It did star um, two different actors, though, in, in the roles. Um, but it's still, uh, it's still a fun, fun movie. Um, and you've probably heard the, the music for it. But that's my number three. And now we get to my top two, and they're both James Bond films. Uh, number two, I have Goldfinger, released September 18th, 1964. Uh, it, in this film, it features James Bond going up against Spectre and Auric Goldfinger as he attempts to steal America's gold from Fort Knox. 
uh, widely considered one of the best James Bond films. Uh, I'm sure many of you have seen the famous scene, James Bond's uh, strapped to a table, obviously imitated in very many parody things as well. Uh, James Bond strapped to a table with a laser aiming straight for his midsection, and uh, Goldfinger obviously says, No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die! <laughs> you know, in typical villain fashion. Uh, famous for pussy galore. <laughs> oh, B James Bond in the 60s and 70s. And at number one, what I would consider my favorite... Well, it's, I always go back and forth on my James Bond rankings. My One of my favorite James Bond movies, one of my favorite movies in general, the second James Bond movie, From Russia With Love. Uh, released October 10th, 1963. Of course, both of these Bond films play Sean, are uh, star Sean Connery, my favorite Bond. Um, and uh, from Russia with love and now and then. You know, mix, mixing the words around. But I, these are some of my favorite James Bond movies. If, if you have not seen the Sean Connery Bonds, I, I highly urge you to watch the... Uh, from Russia with Love and Goldfinger. They hold up very well. I know they're from the 60s, but they, they hold up well. Um, but yeah, From Russia with Love, my number one movie from the 1960s. Top two are James Bond, rounding out the top ten. Again, uh, Pollyanna at number ten, Hello Dolly at nine, Mary Poppins at eight, The Parent Trap at seven, Planet of the Apes at six, Sound of Music at five, To Kill a Mockingbird at four, The Odd Couple at three, Goldfinger, and From Russia with Love. Uh, that is it for my live-action films. Uh, Disney, like I said, kind of focused on live-action in the 60s. I do want to talk about uh, some of my favorite animated films now from, uh, from the 1960s. And uh, at number five, not a Disney film, but The Incredible Mr. Limpet, released March 28, 1964, starring Don Knotts. Uh, it's half live-action, half cartoon, stars a man who gets turned into a fish. It's a fun movie. Uh, number four, again, another movie that started live action, became cartoon, Yellow Submarine, starring the Beatles. We all live in a yellow submarine. Super psychedelic at the height of acid tripping and things like that. Uh, November 13th, 1968, that was released, uh, Fighting the Blue Meanies. Number three, 101 Dalmatians, released 19... 61, January 25th, uh, we get the, the lovely Cruella DeVille song. Uh, obviously, Cruella just came out last year and was a bad, bad uh, homage to this film. Uh, number two, The Sword in the Stone, released December 25th, 1963. Higgitus Figgitus, you know, Merlin, Arthur, pulling the sword out of the stone. If you've ever been to Disneyland, they of course have. The Sword and the Stone. They all fight Madame Mim. Fun movie. And at number one, no surprise here, The Jungle Book, released October 18th, 1967. One of Disney's best animated films, starring Baloo and Mowgli. The Bare Necessities. Ain't got no worries or no... I can't even sing the song that I've loved since I was a kid. Or, uh, you know, Louie, I want to be a man, man cub. Now you just, you listen to me. And uh, it is 
that is the 60s. Animated films now, again, predominantly Disney. Um, but that is, uh, that is it for my films from the favorite films from the 60s, both live action and animated. Next week, we will go over the, the 1970s. That will be fun. Uh, and then once we get to the 80s, we'll actually have to start splitting into different... Uh, the 80s might take a couple weeks, because we'll probably do action movies and then comedies. Um, so it, it's, it's not going to be a straight top 10, and then maybe top 10 overall for the 80s. But the 80s is going to be fun to do. So that, uh, that's it for the 60s. Thank you guys for listening, as always. Uh, happy you guys could join us week after week for Nixner News. Today was August 2nd. That is episode 273 in the books. Don't forget to check out nixnernews.com. Follow us on social media. Subscribe to us on your preferred uh, platform of choice for podcasts. And uh, I will catch you guys on the flip side. This has been a production of Nixner News. Please do not use without implicit faxed permission. And yes, that means with a fax machine.